Coming up on podcast 1608, Porsche went public today to fund VW's electric plan. Stick around, I'll tell you more. Also on the show today, Jaguar Land Rover will retrain their staff for electric servicing. A new variant of the i4 for Europe and Tata Motors in India launched their $10,000 EV. Those stories and a lot more, and a lot more to come. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you're listening in the world. It's EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information for Thursday, the 29th of September. My name is Martin Lee, and I've been through every EV story of the past 24 hours and whittled it down to just these ones you need to know to save you time, because I know you're busy. Laura is. Welcome to a new Patreon executive producer, Laura Delphi. Now, most people, I must admit, do sign up at the exec producer level, and that's $10 a month or equivalent. You can do it in your own local currency. I know that's, that is a big commitment, you know, for, for many people to support through Patreon a creative endeavor, a podcast, that kind of thing. So I really appreciate every single Patreon supporter. Laura says, your podcast really helps me in my work to save time. Hey, thank you so much for your support and being an exec producer for $10 or more a month. You can find out more details, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash EV News Daily, if you'd like to do the same as Laura. Now, the new shares of Livewire Group went higher, then they went lower, as the electric motorcycle company debuted on the New York Stock Exchange. It is a spin-off of Harley-Davidson. Now, Livewire had been a wholly owned subsidiary of Harley-Davidson, and they retained a controlling interest in the operation after going public earlier this week. They make a big deal about being what they say the first and only, that's the quote, the first and only EV motorcycle company that's public in the US. And of much bigger news today, headline story, earlier on this morning, Porsche shares made a really strong start after Volkswagen defied the markets really to list the sports car brand at a valuation of 75 billion euros that's 72 billion dollars in Germany's second biggest market debut ever since the 1990s writes Reuters today now this is interesting because if you do watch these kind of macro things, we can see uh, now is maybe not the best time to go public. We've seen some of those EV makers, Lucid's, Rivian's, the ones that have gone public through the SPACs, the special purpose acquisition companies, not doing as well in recent months. And we see some turmoil in the markets. Just, you know, we had a bit of a, uh, a wobble this week in the UK after our new Chancellor, uh, not that I'm familiar with his previous work, because this is the first time I've, uh, I've heard of him, managed to tank our currency and uh, pretty much tank the mortgage market as well. Oh, and my pension's down. Thanks, sir. Uh, proving himself to be a bit of a muppet at his first attempt at being uh, the Chancellor. Maybe he should go back to doing what he was doing before. I don't know, but... Um, Turmoil here. Uh, Turmoil in Europe as well as inflation goes up and the dollar just goes from strength to strength as the US tries to sort of tamp down their financial markets. This is not a financial podcast. I don't understand any of that, you know buy, sell, higher, lower malarkey. But I do know it's not a great time for Porsche to enter the public markets, but they've done really well. They priced their shares at the top end of the indicated range, and they raised 19.5 billion euros from the flotation. And that money is going to go towards the parent company, VW Group's electrification drive, just to go and, uh, if ever you needed an example of how this transition that's happening, this once in a generation if you like this third great era of, of of automotive, if the first great era was Ford Model T, if the second great era was Toyota in the 1970s in terms of revolutionizing efficient production, if this is the third great era in the world of 
cars and vehicles. It is expensive, and VW need the money. And this puts about 20 billion euros in the coffers. Porsche stock was up 4.6% from the issue price of 82 euros this morning at 9.27 as of recording this show. Now, that lifted Porsche's valuation to 78.5 billion euros, and that's close to the cap- the, the size, the market capitalization of the parent company, of Volkswagen Group as a whole. That's worth 81 billion euros. Now, a uh, portfolio manager at uh, European Equities called Chi Chan telling Reuters, and I quote, there's a lot to like about this company with its aggressive electrification plans, a strong cash flow and premium brand in the market, end quote. So Porsche have done really well going electric with the Taycan and of course the sister car, the Audi e-tron GT, but a long way to go. The McCann's coming soon. And that money anyway, not going into Porsche, going into the the wider group who sold off company. Porsche's chief exec is Oliver Bloom, and he's also now the head of Volkswagen Group, a dual role that drew criticism from some investors, um, but he hailed today at a historic moment. Uh, There's about 114,000 shares that carry no voting rights, which are the ones offered up to the public, the plebs like you and I and some of the institutional investors. So no voting rights there. Uh, VW and the families that own, ultimately, VW, uh, retaining their controlling stake. But that money going into electrifying VWs now and in the future, very importantly. All right, let's move on and talk about Citroën, a new brand identity for the brand that's over 100 years old. And a new logo revealed earlier this morning. Uh, The CEO, Vincent Kobe, saying that uh, Citroën's challenge traditional industry rules and emotionally by ensuring that the experience of going electric is more affordable, comfortable and enjoyable. I thought it was interesting. Um, And uh, Citroen in my head is definitely a value play. I I think for most people it's a value play. No one says, oh, you know, I really want, I really, really, if money was no object, I'd have a Citroen. But they make solid cars. Uh, And of course, uh, I was having a look back at the logo history, something that I've never done before. I won't hurry to do again, to be honest with you. Uh, But the new Citroen logo, very much reminiscent of the original one 103 years ago, uh, rather than its kind of funkiness that it went through in the uh, 90s and noughties. Now let's talk Jaguar Land Rover. They're going to help 60% of their global workforce to develop, manufacture and service EVs. Jaguar Land Rover is going to train 29,000 employees and workers in their franchise dealerships. The retail technicians are going to be taught to repair and service EVs sometime before the end of this financial year that we're in, writes Bloomberg.com. Jaguar Land Rover previously announced plans to completely ditch combustion at Jaguar. Of course, Jaguar Land Rover owns the Jaguar brand, and that's very much a smaller the Jaguar bit is the small bit of Jaguar Land Rover. So Jaguar itself, uh, makers of the I-Pace, all electric by 2025. Land Rover and the bits that make a chunk of money, Land Rover, Range Rover, uh, will get its first fully electric model by 2024. And there, you know, I do feel for Jaguar Land Rover just through circumstance, in a way, if this makes sense, that they make vehicles in a segment that is a little more tricky to electrify. That's not to say that you can't make big, expensive SUVs. Look at the Model X uh, and look at some of the bigger EVs that have come, like the Mercedes-Benz EQS SUV, the Audi e-tron, will be, you know, big cars with decent-sized battery packs. But, of course, that means that for every vehicle you sell, you have to have had a decent amount of batteries on order. And I hope, 
you know, I don't know anybody at Jaguar Land Rover to personally offend. They seem like they missed the boat when it t- in, 10 years ago when battery contracts should have been signed. They seem to be catching up, and that's a good thing. Now, BMW have unveiled their most powerful SUV. And of course, it's got some electric power, but it is a plug-in hybrid. Last night, I saw the unveiling of their new high-performance plug-in SUV. It's called the XM, and the BMW XM is a big SUV. It's normally like, you could look at that and say that's a three-row SUV, but it's not, only two rows, so a ton of room inside it. But it's got the M badge, and it's the first electric vehicle from the M badge. Not fully electric, though. $160,000 this costs for 644 horsepower. And this seems to occupy a segment that clearly someone out there is spending money on. So the Lamborghini Urus, Aston Martin DBX, Bentley Bentayga, and more are all ridiculously expensive SUVs uh, clearly somebody wants. Uh, Now, it has a chunk of electric power that would put many pure electric cars to shame. It has a 194-horsepower electric motor and do 30 miles on a fully charged battery. Don't know the kilowatt-hour size of the battery in this, though, uh, but it's got all-wheel drive, sits on 23-inch wheels, and, you know, we're not wanting to sound like an old fuddy-duddy, but does anyone really need a vehicle this big? Let's face it, you're dropping off the kids at the weekend to football practice. Really? This is a huge, huge vehicle and a ton of resources going into this vehicle. But, hey, yeah, 160 grand burning a hole in your pocket, then you've got another option. Now let's talk another option for BMW buyers. I really like the BMW i4. I'm a little more traditional in terms of what I like inside. Doesn't mean I don't enjoy driving Teslas and the mi- the minimalism of it, the almost the cleanliness of inside a Tesla. But if if it would, my money I'm spending on a daily driver... I want to be able to reach down and push a button, right? I want to turn the, the radio up and down with a button. And I want to start the heating and stop it with a button. And that's fine because everyone's different and that's just me. And I might be an outlying weirdo or maybe there's more people like me. But the BMW i4, personally, I think that hits a really sweet spot between high-tech but also a little bit more traditional on the inside. And it's got, in the European market, another option now. Brilliant news because it lowers the price of getting into one of these, a new base model, the iDrive 35. Now, so the eDrive 35. Now, US listeners have been able to get this already. Uh, 210 kilowatt motor, not 250. 66 kilowatt hour battery, which is net gross, it's 70. Uh, 480 kilometers WLTP range. Now, we don't know about the charging because normally that'll charge at 200 kilowatts. It's a bit of a charging beast, actually, with the big battery. With the small battery, I imagine it's less, but I don't want to speak out of turn. I don't know. It starts from 56,000 euros, which seems pricey. This is in Germany. And to get the bigger battery version, it's only 2,700 euros more. Well, if you're already spending 56,000 euros as a percentage, as a proportion of the vehicle cost, I mean, I'm not telling you that 3,000 euros is not a lot of money, but I'd be tempted to you know, push the boat out or finance it or whatever and get the bigger battery. You'll thank me in the end. Coming up soon, we'll talk about the new electric, uh, electrified plug-in. Um, high-performance Astra. Very big model for Opel Vauxhall. And Neo's first battery swap station in Germany, went live last night. I'll tell you all about it. Stick around. Now, Tata Motors. The first one that I could see leaving the Indian market. It's a small hatchback. It's all electric. And it is, um, I would say, Renault Zoe 
sized, if that makes sense. So a bit of room in the back for some passengers, but not a huge amount. I could easily see this as the first Tatar car leaving India and being sold elsewhere. Um, they already have 45,000 EVs on the road uh, for Tata Motors, but now the Tiago EV is a really European-styled, very average, small city car. 19 kilowatt hour battery might mean that it wouldn't be so good in the European market. But then if it was really cheap, would you mind? Uh, they say that it uh, 19 kilowatt hours goes 155 miles. They use the modified Indian driving cycle, which is nowhere near reality. 19 kilowatt hours in a small car like this, you're probably looking at on a really good day, 95 miles or 100 miles if you're just at 30 mile an hour. The minute you get up to any speed, depending on drivetrain efficiency and stuff, you're probably looking at 75 to 80 miles real world. That might be enough. They've even got DC fast charging on it, but I don't know what speed. Delivery start in January for the Indian market, but I can see this would work. This would work elsewhere. This would be the first one I think that would have a decent shot at working elsewhere. Coming up on the podcast, we will also talk a little bit about uh, BYD and them having a decent shot of selling uh, cars outside of China. We'll get onto those in just a minute. Now, though, we'll talk about uh, the Vauxhall slash Opal, depending on what it's called, where you are. I'll call it a Vauxhall. Astra. Now, the Vauxhall Astra, such a legendary name. And there's two new Vauxhall Astras. There is the hatchback and the estate version, the GSE. Now, GSE is a name they've used a long time for performance at uh, that company, but now it stands for Grand Sport Electric. The brand will be all electric by 2028. They've lowered the Astra by 10 millimeters. They've added some steering and recalibration and some different springs on the front and the rear suspension. A bit more power, 223 brake horsepower. We know no more details about this, I would say, not particularly sporty, but more of a hot hatch, Vauxhall Astra or Opel Astra. And if that is something that you think I would like on my driveway, let's try and compare it to something else like, well, I don't know, the Peugeot E308. comes from the same stable, the same parent company. Funnily enough, the Peugeot 308 plug-in hybrid um, has an identical power output so if you look at that vehicle and go well it'll do naught to 60 in about seven and a half seconds 7.6 for the estate version well it'll do about 146 mile an hour top speed and go 83 miles an hour in battery mode before the engine kicks in which is a really high top speed and if you think it'll go 39 miles on electric range that's the peugeot version you could probably apply those things to the opal Vauxhall astra and you won't be far off in terms of what it might do. BYD are next in the news and they've unveiled their pre-sale prices for their range of EVs entering the European market. Mentioned this a couple of days ago, maybe last week, they've introduced, as of last night, uh, three EVs to the Norwegian market, along with Sweden, Denmark, Netherlands, Luxembourg, Germany and Belgium. Two of the vehicles cost around 70,000 euros at the pre-sale. But the third one, the Atto 3, that's the small crossover, that's 38,000 euros. Now, that vehicle is going to be up against cars like the MGZS and the ID4 and the Konas of the world and the Neros of the world. And it's also going to go on sale in France and the UK before the end of the year. So there is the Tang EV. Let me get this with the right way around. The Tang EV is the premium SUV. So this is up against cars like 
the Mercedes-Benz EQC and the Audi e-tron. There's the Han EV, uh, which is their saloon, up against the Model 3, if you like. Then there's the Atto 3. And the Tang's already for sale in uh, Norway. The big SUV's already for sale. It's a three-row SUV, I think, in Norway. The Atto 3 is a much more affordable car for €38,000. So what do you think? Does that kind of car attract you? Uh, €38,000 is on the pricier end, the more premium end of that segment vehicle. Now, I've got... I, I did read the specs a long time ago, but they might have been sort of presumed specs for the UK market or the European market in terms of battery size and charging. I think the charging was decent, like 125 kilowatts or something. I think the battery was 60.5 kilowatt hours. So you're looking at maybe 220 to 240 miles of range on that one. So I'll get all the details for you, but would you be tempted to spend almost 40,000 on a BYD? A name that some people will know, but you know, let's be honest, no one really knows and take a punt now they've got a dealer contract signed in all of those markets by the way with names that people in those local markets will uh, recognize and we'll let and see how uh, successful they are i think i would be tempted but i'm a, i know that i'm an early adopter and i my tolerance for things going wrong is perhaps higher than you know an average buyer who is cross shopping a kona a nero an mg where those dealerships are you can take the car back if there's a problem so We'll wait and see. We'll watch it very closely. Now we'll talk about China's NIO becoming much more of a battery maker than they ever have been. They just bought 12% of an Aussie lithium mining company for $12 million. Coming as no surprise as they gear up to get much more into making their own battery packs from 2024. Big news, though. NIO just opened their first German battery swap stations. And surely that opens the way for the vehicles being sold in Germany. It is located at Zeus. Mushausen, I think I would say that, Zeus Marshausen. Uh, the new battery swap station will work uh, for anyone travelling up and down the very busy A8 motorway that is uh, linking Munich to Stuttgart. It'll do 312 battery swaps a day. Well, it won't at the minute. There's no cars on sale, but there will be very soon. And, of course, in Hungary is Neo's first Power Europe plant where these things will be made and more battery swap stations will be rolled out. If you're one of my Canadian listeners expecting your Rivian and and thinking, hang on, didn't Rivian say that Canadian buyers get theirs in November 2021? You would be right. Why are they not on sale yet? Actually, they haven't got certified by Transport Canada. Now, Drive Tesla, uh, the website's got a statement from the federal agency uh, to say that Rivian has yet to provide satisfactory evidence of compliance with the Canadian motor vehicle safety standards. I'm sure they'll get that sorted sooner or later, but there you go. If you're my Canadian listeners wondering, like, where's my Rivian gone? That's why. Not allowed to sell it there yet. Meanwhile, Hertz, who are investing very heavily in EVs for rentals, and BP will collaborate. Uh, the agreement is involving Hertz using their uh, buildings, their uh, footprint, if you like, uh, to add charges by BP Pulse and their Omega software. The Omega software by BP supports fleet operations and charges when the price is low uh, to give real-time visibility of which EVs are on charge where, at what state of charge. And BP will build out those fast-charging hubs at the Hertz locations. Now, BP acquired the fleet management company Ampli Power in 2021, and the head of Ampli now works within BP, and they rebranded Ampli Power as BP Pulse in the US. So my only my great hope there is that BP Pulse USA 
is at an arm's length to BP Pulse UK uh, because you know, there's a reason why me and many, many people uh, that I know cancelled their BP membership and why, you know, was it a couple of weeks ago in Auto Express they did their top 10 rated charging networks and BP Pulse wasn't at the bottom. Charge Place Scotland were last and then BP Pulse were in ninth place, getting an absolute kicking. And deservedly so. BP Pulse, in my opinion, is a disaster over here right now. Someone needs their backside kicked to fix that network. I'd, I would never, I would never even think about using a BP Pulse charger um, anymore, having been let down personally so many times. But hopefully... Maybe the USA different management team might all be called BP. Uh, they do not make all the mistakes the Europe, the UK team uh, made when they they bought that charging network. Uh, because man, boy, did they screw that up in uh, in my opinion. But we wish them the best, and hopefully they can turn it around. That'd be a great turnaround story if maybe new management came into BP and uh, could sort out pulse over here. We would all very much appreciate it. Thank you, Mr. BP. Thank you very much. Mercedes-Benz are next in the news, and the boss there, Ola Kalenius, the chairman, saying that the electric G-Class is on track. In fact, he's been driving the prototype around their off-road testing area in Austria where they test the G-Class, and he said he absolutely loved it. The most fun he's had all year, he said to a group of journalists on a media call, and he said, from now on, going off-road is going electric. Brilliant. Pop a link to that story in the show notes so you can read more. And finally, Fiat in the UK are holding their fourth annual EV education event right now from the 23rd to the, 20, the 30th of September. So you've got two more days of that. If you want to go along to your Fiat dealer in the UK, they will educate you about electric vehicles and demystify the terms, they say. But I'm guessing that if you're listening to this podcast, you might be able to teach them a thing or two. It might be the other way around. You can also drive the Fiat 500, and which is their first proper fully electric car, not the Fiat 500 compliance car that we had for many years. Uh, They'll offer events and workshops as well. And um, yeah, I hope that that comes with a uh, no sales pitch. That's great to have an EV education week. And I think that if you do that in the right way, you could really, really help potential buyers and, and probably get a lot of potential buyers as well. But if you just use it as a way to data capture and you know, schnaffle people and try and flog them a car, then I think people see through that straight away. So good luck there. Right, question of the week. It's taking a wee break for a while, but it will return. You can email me anytime about anything. That's hello at evnewsdaily.com. And thanks to our premium partners on Patreon, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Brad Crosby, Porsche of the Village of Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley's EV Review Ireland YouTube channel, Richard at rsev.co.uk for buying and selling EVs in the UK. Octopus Electric Universe Global Public Charging made simple with one app and one map and uh, the family at millbrookcottages.co.uk glorious holiday destinations in Devon, five star luxury cottages, you can book yourself in on the website right now, have a good and see tomorrow and remember there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.